0: Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness podcast. Before I get into the full introduction for, I have two guests for this episode, and before I get to the introduction for my two guests, there's something I'm trying to do a much better job of. And if you're a regular listener of All About Fitness, I do apologize. I am trying to, trying to get better at this because I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be doing the podcast if I didn't have you, the listener. And I really want to acknowledge some people who the first group of names I'm gonna list are people who have purchased some content from me. They've purchased workouts, they've purchased ebooks, maybe they did the recorded webinar on dynamic anatomy. But I want to say thank you because you're allowing me to do this podcast. And that's that's how I'm trying to support the podcast. Is I don't want to just ask you for money and give you nothing or by put it behind a paywall like Patreon. I have a number of workouts for sale. I have a dumbbell workout, a kettlebell workout. A functional core training workout. I have an ebook on dynamic anatomy. And I have two more ebooks I'm finishing production on. I'm doing an ebook on core training. It's going to come with six different workouts for core training. And I have an ebook on exercise and aging, specifically how exercise slows down the aging process. So keep an eye out for those. But I want to say a huge thank you to Richard, Tara, or Tara, Lauren, Sarah, Samuel, and Marilyn. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. These are just a few people who've recently supported by buying various content. I want to say a big thank you. I want to say a huge thank you to Just Steph, uh, Just Steph from Instagram. Thank you for that very kind and very thoughtful note. And really, it's really an honor that you take your time to come to workshops and to listen to the podcast. I'm glad I'm helping you learn how to just learn how to use fitness a little bit more. And to a few other listeners, Lucas to Bel to uh Cal- Clarissa or Clarissa, yeah, Clarissa, and to Frustrated20 something, I want to say a huge thank you. You've left awesome reviews on on iTunes. And if you want to support the podcast, and I mean this, you, you might listen to other podcasts, and if you're a podcast consumer, this really does make a difference. Because again, I'm trying to get this message out, I'm trying to promote teach people how to use exercise, how to use fitness and reviews. If you don't want to support the podcast, I know we're all a little bit tight right now. 2020 certainly isn't working out for me financially like I thought it would, and I'm having to uh, pivot and redirect in a few areas. But you know, that's that's life, right? And if that's you and you're in that situation and right now you're watching your funds and and you just, you don't have the extra income to spend or extra disposable income to spend, I get it. But if you do want to support the podcast, take a moment to give us a review. And I really appreciate that. And reviews make a difference because they go up in the search ranking. And there's another review that came in. I actually got a, a one-star review. And it's going to kind of segue into the introduction. Because a one-star review was was something that I go into politics. That sometimes I discuss politics. And that's absolutely true. If you, if you listen to All About Fitness regularly, I do tend to talk about politics. And I delve into that. That's because that's part of my upbringing. I really... I grew up uh, in a political family. My mother was a, she was elected to a town council when I was a very young, uh, very young child. I remember going to town council meetings. I remember riding in a police car in a parade <laughs> event. I don't think I was, I think I was, I should have been a seat, uh, in a seat, in a child's seat, but I just, I grew up around that. And when we moved to Washington, D.C., she became a, for all intents and purposes, a lobbyist. And in my first uh, couple jobs right out of college before I got into fitness, We're in politics, so uh, you know, for better or for worse, I do involve a lot of politics into into the podcast. And now, here's the thing about politics. What we should keep in mind is that the whole point of the political process is that people come together from different points of view. That you may see things, you may look at the world and, and see green, I may look at the world and see yellow, and we need to meet somewhere in the middle so that we can all agree. That's what politics should be. You come from one part of the country, you see things a certain way. I come from another part of the country, I see things a different way. And what we need to do, what we should be able to do in a political atmosphere, is come together for common ground. Politics, and that was my undergrad degree, was political science and economics. Politics is about the art of the possible. Politics is about finding consensus. Politics is about listening to find out what we have that are similar to one another. And that's what I'm doing with this episode, and I know that sometimes I, I go into politics and maybe you don't agree with my politics, and that's fine. I have been very judgmental about our current administration, and oh, I don't even want to get started with that. But let's just say that the election can't get here soon enough, and no matter what you feel, no matter how you feel, get involved in the process, vote, vote locally, vote nationally, vote, because you can't complain about it if you're not part of the process, and that's that's really, that's just a big thing. But on this episode of All About Fitness, what I wanted to do, and it's going to be a little bit of a political episode, but there's no message here, but what I wanted to do was have a conversation about race and specifically about diversity in the fitness industry. Obviously, you know, the last number of weeks, you know, I'm recording this right in the beginning of July, July 2nd, 2020. So if you're listening to this in the future, for the last number of weeks has been a really eye-opening period in our history. You know, George Floyd's death was really, and, and the, the resulting protests, you know, and I want to say protests, because a majority, strong majorities, are peaceful protests. There have been some elements of trying to turn them into other things, but there is a large population of people out there protesting because they feel that African Americans do not, and they don't. African Americans do not have the same opportunities in our country that are afforded to, to white people. I know that as a white male growing up in the States, I have much different opportunities. I have much I, I have opportunities that many other people don't have simply because of number one, my skin color, and number two, my gender. And I'm very well aware of that. And what it's been very it's been very tough to see this because not everybody has that same thing. And and I know there are people out there that aren't treated the same. And what I wanted to do today was I reached out to a couple friends of mine. These are colleagues of mine, and I have to admit, I, I know them. I've, I've, known, um, I've known Maurice a few years, and Kia I've only known about a year, but they're people I consider friends and people I consider colleagues, and I wanted to have a conversation just about diversity in the fitness industry. Kia Williams, I'm going to always defer to, to women first. Kia Williams, I met her last year at the Idea World Fitness Conference. She is one of these people that I see as an up-and-coming leader. She's a group fitness instructor. She's a personal trainer. She has multiple master's degrees. She has an MBA. She has a master's of science in recreation and, and sports programming or sports management. She's a master trainer for uh Xavier Fitness. And then that's how I met her was uh, through the Bar Above program. I follow her online, I follow her on Facebook, and we've traded messages back and forth. And Kia is the, the next generation of fitness leader. She really is. She currently she recently moved from Chicago. To Denver, she's in group fitness programming. I reached out to her because I wanted to have a conversation about diversity in the fitness industry, and, and I'll talk about that in a second. And the second guest I have on is Maurice Williams, and there's absolutely no, um, there's absolutely no relation between the two of them. Maurice and Kia just happen to both have the last same name. Maurice is originally from South Carolina. He actually went to uh, college in North Carolina where my mother worked before she got into politics. My mother worked for uh, Elon. It was at the time Elon College. Now it's Elon University. Maurice went there. He has an undergrad and graduate degree, both in exercise science. Maurice has multiple certifications. And again, like Kia, Maurice is a is an educator. Maurice teaches personal training workshops for the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and he started to hit the conference scene representing NASM and not only that but Maurice has worked in health clubs he owns his own fitness studio and now Maurice owns uh, move well fit move well fitness in uh, northwest DC and even though he now lives in the DC area our paths never, never crossed when I lived in DC so I met Maurice after I moved away from the DC area and again we've become colleagues and friends and, and trading messages back and forth via social media oh one other thing to mention about Kia Kia and her friend Lauren George host a great podcast called Fit and Fierce on the Mic. Here I am, I'm giving Kia some great exposure and, and she's gunning for me, man. She's an up-and-coming educator. and But what I wanted to do is have a conversation with Kia and Maurice about the fitness industry. When you look at the fitness industry and you see some of the personalities that are out there, you know maybe you've seen Sean T promoting Insanity. Maybe you follow some very popular personalities on social media. The perception might be, that fitness is very inclusive, but there are a lot of people doing some really cool, fascinating, amazing things in the fitness space. But what I wanted to ask Kia and Maurice about was their experience. What I wanted to do was listen. what I want to know was what can we do? What can I do to be better? What can I do to be more empathetic to to walk a mile and not walk a mile, but what can i under do uh, what can I do to understand? that people might have different experiences and that's what this episode of all about fitness is about what i wanted to do is have keo williams and maurice williams again no relation share their experience with us about what it's like to navigate the fitness industry and whether or not we can do a better job of diversity that's exactly what you get on this episode of all about fitness talking about diversity in the fitness industry I am super excited today to be talking to two friends, uh, to get some really, I want to get just a different insight, a different perspective on the fitness industry. And I'm with, uh, with my friend Kia, Kia Williams is based out of, you are right now in Denver, correct Kia?
1: That is correct. Yes.
0: And where are you from originally?
1: I am from Fort Worth, Texas.
0: From Fort Worth, Texas. I, I have to say I love that accent. So, so, Maurice, if, <laughs> if I talk over you, too. listen to Kia. If I talk over you, <laughs> listen to Kia today. I apologize about that. Hey, and, and my other guest is uh, absolutely no relation. Uh, my other guest is Maurice Williams, the owner of Move Well Fitness, a studio out of Northwest DC. How you doing today, Maurice? I'm awesome, man. I'm doing well, doing well. And, and just, I mean, my listeners know that I'm from the DC area, but I don't think you and our paths never crossed when I was living in DC. Correct? I don't think we met each other.
2: I don't think so. I mean, I knew of you, uh, but I don't think uh, I don't think we ever met. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I worked. Maurice worked with sport and health before he started his own studio, and I worked at uh, the crosstown rival Washington sports clubs. And <laughs> so I just don't think. Uh, plus, I was downtown. I think you're up here in Upper Northwest in, in Maryland. So our yep. paths wouldn't have crossed unless we met at some type of event or something. Correct. Um, so th- let me get this. I always like to ask this question, Kia. How'd you get started in fitness? What got you? What got you involved in fitness, and, and kind of what what was it that drew you to the industry?
1: Sure, um, I'll try to make this long story short. But I, I would credit maybe athletics and cheer to my gateway into fitness um, in Texas. If you don't know, it's not a stereotype that we take our sports very seriously, and so I, I was a little protege. I was playing volleyball year round, clubs, high school teams, varsity level. And also playing golf, believe it or not, I can calm myself down and play golf. Um, But my senior year in high school, I had a really gnarly injury to my ankle. I broke my foot in a volleyball tournament, and it was just the most inopportune time to be injured and out. So I'm only 5'4", okay? So I didn't think I would go to the AVP or anything, but... When you're a young kid and sports is all you know, all you do, that was a huge letdown to me. But it was also an opportunity and an opening for me within my very young life. I had coaches coming up in age who were strength and conditioning coaches. I was very familiar with the weight room, very familiar with exercise physiology practices and the practical component of it. Um, And when I was doing rehabilitation or uh, physical therapy, the language was clicking and making sense to me. So after I was done with the actual physical therapist and they transitioned me into working out on my own in a gym, I stumbled across all the multifacets in what we call now a mall of fitness within this gym area. They had group fitness. I saw personal trainers. I saw people just getting it in in the weight room. And I was like, thank you goodness. I am home. This is where I belong. So I started aligning myself with great managers and mentors who took me under their wing and invested so much of their own time and energy in developing me that, you know, everything just started to fall into place. So I became a group fitness instructor. I was a yoga teacher. I got my personal training certification, young and in college, continued teaching all through college, everywhere. Any format that I could get certified in, I did. And from there, I just kept chasing the next until you know I am who I am I'm where I want to be and I'm happy Pete
0: that's awesome I love that story and where'd you go to school did you study, study exercise science in school
1: I did study underneath the kinesiology umbrella but it was more sports management track I went to the University of North Texas
0: oh, okay is that is that Amarillo
1: no that's Denton Denton ben. Texas
0: uh, that's my, my lack of knowledge about Texas. Uh, and I know Texas is its own country, basically. <laughs> basically. Uh, and to throw the same question to you, Maurice, what, what got you interested in fitness? And I know we talked a little bit about your, your college experience, but what was it that drew you into the fitness industry?
2: Uh, similar, to, similar to Kia, I had played sports, mainly played football, um, and just had a love for the human body. So when I got to high school, I think maybe it's my sophomore year, I decided I wanted to be a physical therapist because we had, there's a a teammate of mine who a classmate of ours had some knee issues and her knee would kind of lock up on her or go out on her. And we would somehow figure out a way to make her knee feel better. So we thought we, without any training experience, obviously, (laughs) we thought we were doing something special. So from that experience and from playing sports, um, I decided to, to enter the, the fitness arena. I went to Elon University and majored in exercise sports science, played football there for, for two years, and uh, started working in campus recreation. And that developed my love for fitness even more. became a, a senior leader by the time I graduated from there. I went on to grad school at Ohio University um, to major in exercise physiology. And then it just, just went from there, just continued right into the, uh, the fitness arena, starting off as a a personal trainer in the big box gyms and worked my way up to area director and uh, went back to being a personal trainer and then decided to go off on my own. And then we are where we are right now, which is on my <laughs> studio here.
0: At DC. And I'm going to ask you about the, ex- the experience. I didn't realize you played football at Elon. Elon's what, division oh, yeah. three?
2: Yeah, what? I did play football there.
0: What position were you? Uh, cornerback. Okay. So what did that, yeah. what did being on a college team, what did that teach you in terms of just like management in terms of just like in leadership?
2: Oh, I mean, playing sports all my life taught me discipline, taught me organization, um, taught me teamwork, and that is, and plus I had parents, my dad was in the military, <laughs> both of my parents grew up with strict um, environments, so we're talking about like having to make your bed, you couldn't leave a spoon in the sink, and that just carried over to, to me and my si- my siblings and I, and uh, yeah, I mean, those are the, the three biggest things, organization and you know, teamwork. This is fun, though, the, the biggest things for me that I got from sports, and, and that, quick, that's continued to this day, pretty much.
0: And quick question: When you when you were at Howard, when did you uh, when did you go to grad school at Howard?
2: Uh, no, I went to Ohio University for grad school.
0: Oh, okay, well, I, okay. Th- sorry, I thought I heard. I thought I heard Howard. Howard. Okay. I, yeah. I, I met my
2: wife. My wife. I went my wife. She was at Howard. She <laughs> was, in, I was there. So yeah.
0: okay. Um, yeah, no, sorry. I misheard that then. Now, let me ask you this, Kia. What, what is it that, what would you be doing if if you weren't doing fitness? Like if, if you didn't find fitness, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: Oh my goodness. That is so, that's a really tough oh. question for me because I truly do identify myself with fitness. You know how you have athletic identity. I have fitness identity, but, um, believe it or not, I was a theater kid coming up and I studied radio, television and film. I worked um, before I transitioned full time to fitness. I worked in a Spanish production company, so I would probably be involved in production. I really wanted to do sports broadcasting and writing. So maybe maybe that would have been my other passion.
0: Oh, that's, no, that's interesting. That's an that's interesting crossover. Same thing for you, Maurice, if you weren't doing fitness. Because I always like to ask that question. It's like, you look at the people that, especially that gravitate to the levels that you guys are at. You guys are leaders. And what would you be doing if you weren't weren't in the fitness industry?
2: Probably two things. Or one of two things. Either a sports historian um, or working in broadcast something relating to sports. I have a, a real passion for all types of sports and stats, so I'm pretty good with memorizing like odd, odd facts and numbers and things of that nature. So, either a sports historian or a sports commentator or a third woman would probably be something dealing in finance. Of all these, since I've been a business owner, I've developed a better interest or more of an interest for just finance in general. So, those would be my my top three things I would do if I wasn't involved in fitness.
0: And, that's, and, and let me ask you, because actually I, I'm, I'm looking this up real quick. I'm, I'm looking up on my, because uh, have you ever heard of the edge of sports? He's actually based in your area. I think he's a history professor at uh, Montgomery, Montgomery College in Tacoma. But the edge of sports is with a guy named Dave Zirin that's like the history of sports. I've, I've, have you heard of that podcast, Kia? Uh, Kia?
2: I have not. I haven't.
0: Because it's, it's like, as you guys are mentioning that, but what he does, the podcast is edge of sports. And it's like basically the history of, he goes into the history of sports, and he's written a couple of different books on, on various, uh, the history, very historical, various historical elements of sports. So I didn't know if your path would have crossed with him in uh, the D.C. area, Maurice.
2: Probably. Probably.
0: And with that. And where do you guys want to go? Keel, where do you see yourself going in fitness? Like what, what opportunities do you think present itself in fitness that you think you want to grow into and evolve into?
1: Well, I consider myself a very creative individual, so I I do want to remain on the creative side for a little bit longer, creating content, creating new formats, being out in the field, meeting different, you know, young instructors, young personal trainers, becoming or serving as a mentor. Stewardship is what I do. Paying it forward is why I'm here. So I just want to be involved in the development of young professionals.
0: Cool. Same question to you, Maurice. Like, what do you see yourself? Uh, what do you see yourself kind of evolving? I mean, here you are. You're a presenter for one of the major certifications. You own your own studio. So, you know, how do you? Where do you go from there?
2: Education. That's that's where that's where I'm going. That's kind of where I see the end of my career being. being involved in more educating. Uh, I've been training for a long time, and as much as I like it, I, I like even more being able to teach people what I do and, and do it. Uh, to do it a little bit a little bit better Uh, and then just being in a position where i can also mentor mentor people from a business standpoint helping them to understand the mistakes that i've made so more like a fitness consultant i think there's a a lack of that in the industry not not so much coaching uh business coaching but more along the lines of a consultant where there's more business involved and then also the science behind how to train and what are some practical best ways to be efficient with group, small group training and one-to-one training. So a a match product of, of those things together.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because so many people, when I've taught, like when I've taught in junior college, so many people say they want to own their own studio, but my recommendation always is Maurice to kind of do what you did, which was work for a gym for a few years to learn the business. How helpful was it for you to spend a few years working for somebody else before you started your own studio?
2: Oh, uh, it was it was 100 helpful. Um, it helped me to realize, helped me to learn how to talk to people. Um, it helped me to develop kind of my own style of of training toward the end of my career in the big box gym. It helped me to understand how much money I was not making and I was losing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I met some great people too. Being in in Washington D.C. Bethesda area, there were some really wealthy. Smart, down-to-earth people who would pull you to the side and pick your brain, and um, them not even knowing it, just giving good, good life skills and business skills advice. Um, so, I, I recommend that too. I tell people get in, get involved in a big box gym that has a big education component. Take all the education that they offer, and uh, you know, two to three years in that type of environment. And then, if you're ready. To go off on your own. Because I tell people, opening up a studio. I mean, if you just want to train people, you don't have to do that. Because you got to learn to run the business too. If you want to run the business and then eventually hire other people, you then you're you're thinking the right thing. But if you just want to train because you just want to make more money, you don't have to open up your studio to do that. You can rent space, you can do boot camps outside. So I always tell people that it's not about just opening up a gym because you, you want to make more money, but don't realize you actually have to keep the lights on and pay the mortgage and still train clients too. Yeah. That can be the tough
0: thing, especially right now with what we've had to adapt. Now, Kia, let me ask you this question. How, do you do any, any training Kia? Do you do, I mean, uh, you, do you purely just teach group fitness?
1: No, I'm a personal trainer as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. So do you work with clients one-on-one still?
1: All virtually. And believe it or not, all of my clients, uh, they live in Chicago, Illinois, in Dallas, Texas, and I live in Denver, Colorado.
0: And that's, and how have you guys adjusted? as the next question I was going to ask, hey, how have you adapted Kia to everything? I know you're teaching on homeroom fit and I'm going to have a, a couple of people. I'm going to be doing a separate uh, podcast about that before too long, but how have you adjusted to being in this whole virtual environment that we've had to deal with the last few months?
1: How have I adjusted? Um, I'm proud of myself of how I have adjusted. But of course, no one, at least I, did not predict COVID-19 happening. (laughs) But just the way the industry was going, the way science was going, things that I wanted to align myself with, I'm obsessed with the digital age. Like that's, that's what we did when we worked in broadcast and television. And I'm I'm a social person it's all about building community and if i move a lot of course i don't want to lose the relationships from where i moved from so how do we stay connected i'm not into snail mail i I don't want to wait for anything so it started with um exchanging of emails and then we we went into myspace forums we went into facebook and then instagram twitter all these other social media things and sure it's fun from a personal level but then i thought how do I construct this to work in my favor? I didn't want the services to use me, especially reading the fine print of they now own every image that I post on their platform. But how can, how can I make this work for me? And I thought, aha, This is how I can better reach the needs of my clients who move as well, who travel and still want to stay in contact when they're on a fabulous yacht doing what they do. And they should have invited me to be a part of that. But but I had already pre-COVID, I had already started to shift my own brand to being more virtual. So COVID was actually sort of a kick in my rear of, all right, lean completely into it, girl. Like, this is how you are meant to be, and this is how you're going to excel, whatever excel means to me personally, but this is how, or this gives you the opportunity to do what you've been passionate about.
0: And, that, and that's cool. And I think people, you know, especially um, I'm a, you're probably a few years younger than I am, Kia. So it's probably a little bit easier for you to adapt into into the virtual world and just have that 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 be able to shift. And as a business owner, Maurice, how have you had to shift and adjust? Because your facility, I think you're northwest D.C. And when we spoke the other day, you still hadn't got the 100 percent green light to start bringing people back into the physical facility. So how have you just adjusted and shifted to, to meet the, the what we're the situation we're in right now?
2: Yeah, we're actually, uh, we're opening back up on Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday. So we got the green light on that. That's actually why I'm here at the studio, getting stuff set up for that. Uh, But I mean, I just pivoted and just pivoted online. And um, I did a a little mix of virtual training. Um, I used an app called NASM, the NASM Edge. And then I did some, posted some videos on YouTube. For, uh, for clients and most of them use the virtual training aspect. So, you know, personally for me, it, it was a kind of a big adjustment. I'm not used to looking at a screen and cueing people and telling them, you know, position them in different uh, positions for their exercises. But I, the feedback that I've got from them is they love it. And most of them are actually continuing. Um, we're going to do a combination of online and in person. And most of my clients are still going to be online. So. Um, As long as they're happy, I'm happy. I've been loving the time at home with my wife and my four kids, and and they're happy to to have me home as well. So uh, we don't fall into that category of divorce or, you know, all the other (laughs) negative things that can happen when your spouses that are not used to spending a lot of time with each other have to do that because of COVID-19. So uh, we're happy about that.
0: And that's, you know, it's interesting to hear that because, yeah, it, it has created everything. Every time there's a crisis, and I think it's the, the Chinese character, the Mandarin character for crisis and opportunity is the same. And I think yeah. in the fitness industry has been a tremendous. You've seen people who've really adapted well and responded well. And I'm going to shift gears a little bit because one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with the two of you is to get some input from you on. There's been a lot of issue, a lot of stuff in, in, in greater society, especially the last two months, just about overall diversity. And what I wanted to get some feedback from you guys on is, you know, because the perception might be and you have to remember, Maurice, I worked at, you worked in your area. I, mean, I worked in the D.C. area and I was very <laughs> I was very fortunate to have grown up in Tacoma Park. I was very fortunate to have grown up in Silver Spring and, and being exposed to such a uh, diverse community from an early age. And as somebody who's been in the industry, I'm probably extremely naive as to other people's experiences. And I'll say that right out is that I probably don't see things as I could all the time from other people's point of views. So I'm interested in, in your guys's perception about, well, not perception, but experience, because I think the general perception could be when you look at, you know, some of the leaders in the fitness industry at who people might see on TV. And by that, I mean, people see like Sean T they see other national people selling fitness products or other big fitness, you know, fitness personalities on Instagram you know, but what is your experience in terms of diversity? And I'll start off with you, Kia. What's your, been your experience in terms of how, how well the, the fitness industry does in terms of being an inclusive environment for everybody to work in?
1: Right. So, of course, you and I have very different experiences and outlooks on nearly everything in life. And that's okay, because that's diversity. That's variety that gives us flavor and excitement in life. Um, I wouldn't say that a person is naive to to anything, you just haven't personally experienced it. And I I welcome the conversation and I'm always so appreciative to meet individuals who want to know not only more about me personally, but people who identify the same way that I do. People who confide in me, who may tell me something different than they tell you, especially if we're surveying or asking for for feedback. I am madly in love with the fitness industry. It has been good to me personally and professionally. So I oftentimes wear rose-colored glasses when I'm viewing the fitness industry because I wholeheartedly believe that we as fitness service providers, fitness and wellness service providers, it's our jobs to make people well. It's our jobs to, to make fitness fun and easy to absorb and to to participate in. But like any other industry, we are plagued with systematic oppression, lack of representation, because that's unfortunately what this country has been built on. That's the back that is built on. So even though maybe the originators, the people who we look up to and see as fitness idols, although they may quote unquote get it, You know, and they're with it, they're inclusive, they're diverse. The participation level. When we start adding more and more bodies into the industry, we add more complexity and even more different points of views and different life experiences, different beliefs. And that's where some of these issues with our lack of diversity has come from. That's, in my opinion, based on my observations. I, working as a consultant and a researcher in the industry, I have gotten reports. I've reviewed cases. I myself have experienced things that have been racist, point blank period, has been very uncomfortable and lacked inclusion and diversity. So I know that even though I work hard, I have all the certifications that I have and multiple degrees. I'm not exempt from what any other person who identifies the way that I do, which is as a black woman, will experience in this country or around the world. So I always ask myself and people who have reported to me or who I've had the pleasure of supervising, we always ask ourselves, can we do better? It doesn't even matter what we're talking about or addressing, can we do better? And the answer is always yes. And we try to unpack every aspect and factor that we're dealing with to find ways, solutions, variations to solutions so that we can do better because we're in this business to serve others and make them well. And we want to make sure that we're meeting them where they are so that we can find a way to meet wellness.
0: No, that, that's, I mean, that's a great insight. And Maurice same like the same thing. I mean, you, you, you have a, you've had the opportunity, Maurice, to be in Northwest DC and, and, and that's a very unique environment. What's been your experience of, of you know, navigating the industry?
2: Um, I mean, I can't really say too much more than what, what Kia has already said. I think she, she covered pretty much the entire, you know, the entire basis of, um, of your question. Uh, I mean, the only thing I can I can add is there is a lack of diversity I mean, there are a lot of us as trainers, there are a lot of us that are kind of in that, that middle road of group exercise instructors and personal trainers, wellness coaches, you know, things of that nature. But as we start to move up the ladder, then there are not as many of us, if, if at all, up in leadership positions. And I don't know if it's a matter of we don't want to move up into those positions. I venture to say it's not that um, it's probably more along the lines of our industry, the fitness industry has traditionally been um, just as our country has been really catered or bent a little bit more to uh, to the Caucasian individual, whether that's you know female or uh, or male. Being here in Washington, D.C., it's very diverse and uh, we have probably just as many just as much diversity or just as much African-Americans or people of, of color as we do. Um, as we do Caucasians, but the opportunities to advance and to move up into higher positions, I really don't, you know, I really don't see that. Even as a presenter uh, for the company that I work for, there are only, I believe there are only three or four of us. I don't think that's intentional. I just think it's it's just kind of the way it is. I don't know if anybody's really paying attention to that. And that's kind of how America has been. I don't, I don't know if I want to call it um, privilege, but you could, this will kind of fall along the lines of, of, of white privilege in that maybe you're just looking for the best individuals. I understand that and I get that. And for the company I work for, we definitely have some of the best and brightest um, individuals. But I would venture to say there are some people that perhaps we don't we don't have in our group yet that, that could be in our group that have the same color skin as me. So I can talk more about that, but I may have more questions about it. So well,
0: well, that's one of the big things, and I appreciate that, Maurice, because that's one of the big things that, that I want to have this conversation about, because, you know, you look at that, and I see the same thing. You know, I, being working with a couple of different, you know, education teams, we can look around and go, wow, we, we don't have a very diverse team. You know, when, I, when I've been at different organizations, it's, it's not from a lack of, you know, it's not for anything you know, explicit in the intention. I really do think I, I heard a great podcast. I wish I could remember which one, but they're talking about implicit bias, meaning like to go back to your experience in football, when you're a football player, you probably hung out with other DBs. You probably didn't really hang out the lineman that much. You probably didn't really hang out with like right. the, the quarterback room that much. I mean, you were a DB, so you hung out with other DBs and same thing with Kia. I mean, you probably hung out with other volleyball players. You probably didn't really hang out with. And I think, I think what we've, the trap we fall into in society as a whole is we just get used to being with the people that we're comfortable being with, you know, does that make sense? And it's not okay. anything, it's not anything intentional. Do you think that the, that's, what's kind of, that's where the industry is kind of, the, I, cause I personally, from my experience, that would be, again, it's only my experience that that would be my, my observation is that people just, just get used to kind of working within what they know and we need to get better about saying, Hey, I might not have exposure to this. Let's bring someone onto the team that can give us just a different point of view.
1: Well, I hope the podcast that you referenced was mine because, <laughs> we, did, because we did cover implicit biases because that is, that is an issue in our industry and in others. Um, because implicit biases, they're unintentional. They're not obvious or outright. But um, with permission from people I have interviewed, I I was given permission to to state this. I've had a group fitness instructor um, report to me, she was a black lady, that it was implicit biases that she was facing that the way her name read on the group fitness schedule, people were not as inclined to take her class as people who had a different type name, if you know what I mean. And then also, her photo, because she was one of maybe two people of color whose photos were on the bulletin board of welcome our newest group fitness instructors. And so it came with that um, almost uneasiness or uncertainty of being drawn to her and her classes, which is very unfortunate. Absolutely it is. But you're right. Likeness attracts likeness. And, And we are drawn to people who kind of look like on the surface what we look like or speak the same language or the same dialect as us because that's easy. That's easy in life. You're not challenged to learn a new language or a new way of doing. And life is challenging enough for a lot of people So if I can just, you know, enter a room and see somebody who I recognize, then sure, I'm going to go pop up against them and say, hey, are you from Texas? Because I see you wearing cowboy boots or something. That's a total stereotype. Please do not, do not come for me for that. I'm just using that as an example. Forgive me. But you know, we, we do have to be purposeful and intentional in challenging yeah. ourselves, especially as we move up the, the ladder in organizations. We don't wanna lose sight of our why our reasons for entering certain organizations and staying in those organizations and keeping our eyes open you know looking at different aspects and looking through different lenses to to see if there are some implicit biases that are plaguing our entire service you know we don't want to lose anyone we don't want people slipping through the cracks because they don't feel represented supported or heard so yeah maurice you mentioned this earlier it's important that no matter what level you are in an organizational structure that you're challenging yourself and you're challenging the rhetoric around the words of of bias accessibility inclusiveness and diversity so that you're truly living by those morals missions visions and values that people love to broadcast on their websites
0: Well, real quick, I'm gonna explain why I started laughing. I made, this is a mistake I made when I was a young instructor. I saw a woman, she was wearing a UT, uh, UT uh, Texas t-shirt. And that's why I was laughing, laughing so hard at what you said, Kia. And I asked if her son, I was like, oh, do you have a kid that went to Texas? And she, she wasn't old enough. She says, you think I'm old enough to have a kid in college? Let's just say I never made that mistake again. <laughs> right.
1: right. Yeah, you, but we trying, people you, from Texas, we are very proud. So you probably mm-hmm. will see us wearing a UT shirt, boots. I even have a Texas emblem necklace. We are very proud people. But how dare you, Pete. Yeah, I said do you as your son, you have
0: a kid that goes to Texas, and let's just say that was, yeah, that was no. Like she
1: could have went to Texas. She could be a professor at Texas. But, and the but, first thing you, saw, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna. And give that's, you but hard that's time. exact.
0: But that's exactly it, right? That's an example of. And what, what's been your experience? I mean, Maurice, like you said, I mean, you've been in you've been in different environments, and, and as, you know, what is your kind of observation just about the behavior of other people in our field and in our industry when when maybe you walk into the room.
2: You know, I have not, uh, I have not experienced as far as I can remember anything where I walked away saying that was kind of a racist statement or in terms in, in the fitness industry itself. Um, you know, that was maybe that was a form of bigotry or, um, that wasn't showing, you know, diversity or anything along those lines. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything like that. And I don't know if it's because, I present myself in a certain way. Uh, I present myself as, you know, one that has a little bit of education. I think I speak, you know, pretty well. Um, I don't know if, if I had a, a different speech or if I presented myself, or maybe even if I looked a different, a different way, if that would, you know, things would change. But I can't recall within, you know, my circle of other fitness individuals where I've experienced that. Now, if we're talking about members, And if we're talking about being a business owner, then I can share some things along that lines. But just amongst fellow, you know, fitness professionals, I haven't really experienced anything.
0: Well, and I think that's the one cool thing about our industry, right? Is our industry has a huge, especially trainers and instructors. I mean, there's a huge, you know, gay, lesbian, transgender, I mean, population there. I mean, that's been been an accepted part of this industry going back decades, you know, that you're going to get people from all walks of life. And so I think that's, that's been a big thing. And I want to shift gears just a little bit because Kia, I think you mentioned this when we were on the phone and that is, do you think it's intimidating for people to come in and join a health club? And, and I'm talking about you, we could be talking about people that, you know, we could be talking about anybody who might be 10, 20, 30 pounds overweight, who knows they needed to lose weight. What is it like? What do you think it's like for people to walk into a health club the first time, you know, from any point of view, I mean, Kia, I think you had mentioned at one point that, you, you know, if you had, a sh- I don't know if you want to share that story or, but just, what do you think it is Do you think it's very easy? Cause then I'll say that so I'll explain this this way. When I was working with the sports club LA and I was in Boston, you know, I was working at a club that I'd come down the morning and there'd be two or three Bentleys parked out in front of the, in front oh. of the, the, the gym was in the, uh, was in the Ritz Carlton towers in Boston, like, like downtown, the sports club LA now it's owned by Equinox was in the Ritz Carlton hotel. Down in Northwest DC, and mm-hmm. you'd come down, and, and you know you'd have Bentleys parked out front. You're dealing with a very elite clientele, and, and I think there's a, a perception out there that fitness clubs are only for maybe a higher, a higher end people, higher middle class people. Do you think that that fitness itself, just as as a whole, as a membership for clubs, studios, everything, do you think we could do a better job of being open for everybody?
1: Absolutely. I do think that we can be. And, and what you were referencing, I did get permission from this individual as well to share something that was shared to me by a client. Um, she shared this with me probably about a decade ago, but it's, it's, it has stuck with me because I know it sticks with her too. But there are many barriers to exercise. There's lots of research and articles about it. And we try so hard to work towards exercise adherence, exercise motivation and and doing better because we want to and exercise retention. But that barrier to entrance it's is huge. It's a broad scope. Many reasons why people are leery to enter our doors. And this one person in particular reported to me in an interview about exercise that when she pulled up into the parking lot of this very beautiful place, she didn't see cars that looked like hers. So that was one uneasiness that gave her anxiety. And then as she sat in her car, you know, trying to build up the courage, the the steam to, you know, get in there and just give it a shot. She was seeing people walk through the doors who looked nothing like her. So then she started to ponder because that started to trigger other experiences in her life of being in places where she felt she didn't belong. So she, she ultimately did not enter that, that place, that facility, because she wasn't sure. Her words to me, she wasn't sure how they would treat her. And that just truly broke my heart. And it gives me chills every time I talk about it, every time I think about it. Because my personal mission in my career has been to make sure that people feel uplifted and supported no matter who they are, no matter their size, no matter their background, no matter their socioeconomic background. Like We want to make fitness accessible, but I know that I'm I'm only one person. Not everyone has to think the way that I do or believe the way that I do, and clearly that's not reality because I'm getting reports from people who have struggled. Um, So yeah, I do think that fitness we could we can do better. I mean it's no one's fault of who drives what kind of car or whatever like that's what they choose that's what they like and hopefully can afford. But our overall and overarching representation to make people feel invited before they even put their hand on the handle we should do a better job at that of having more representation within our marketing. And funny enough, I have a funny story for you. Years ago, when I worked in higher education, I pull up into the parking lot of my building that I worked in and my car that I love and adore. And a student Pulled up next to me in like a Maserati, and I'm like, "Oh, well, there's my entire salary that this kid <laughs> has in his pocket. Very nice." So, but nonetheless, I still went to work. It didn't turn me away <laughs> from going to work because I needed to the job. Um, but yeah, yeah, Pete, I do. I do think we can do better.
0: And hey, what's been your experience, Maurice? I mean, what, what's your what's your feedback on
2: that? Uh, it's been a while since I've been in a big box, uh, you know, big box gym. But I think uh, if they still do it the same way that they did when I was there, I think they are, I don't think they're doing a very good job. And this is one of the reasons why I opened up my own studio. Usually when someone expresses interest, it doesn't, and no matter what their, you know, male, female or their socioeconomic background, you know, the first thing that happens when you walk into the gym is they, they take you on a tour and they show you, you know, this equipment and here's the bathroom and you know here's the kids room. And, and then they come and they try to, you know, sell you one, two, or three options. Well, there's really no immediate focus on that individual. And if you were to take a place like mine, we flip that. I, get, I don't even give a tour. I don't give any tours whatsoever. Nobody's ever asked me, like, well, nobody has ever, ever asked me to become a client. What type of equipment do you have? And what's the best equipment to use this and use that? And I think the gym, the big box gyms are, are failing clients because they're putting such a big emphasis on this equipment and this elaborate um, saunas and things of that nature and not really focusing on what they, what they really need is this usually one-on-one attention and dealing with behavior change and coaching them on, on nutrition and things of that nature. So we, we flip it here and Move Well fitness and we put that, we really do put that emphasis on them. So um I would venture to say they're still probably doing that the same, focusing on features and, and benefits, and that's just not not allowing people to be successful in those in those uh, those markets. I mean, if it if it was working, then it wouldn't be twenty or thirty percent of the people actually working out who belong to belong to you know belong to gyms. The gyms would be it would be a waiting line for people to get in the gyms, and that's just you know that's not happening. So. Well,
0: on that note, do you think, and i want to ask you, then I want to ask you about your experience as a business owner, Maurice. But on that note, do you think there are people in certain, like I'm, I'm thinking about maybe, uh, you know, Northeast DC or, or the way that Northeast used to be years and years ago. I know Northeast has changed quite a bit, but where certain people in certain neighborhoods might look at the fitness and be like, oh, that's not for us. That's only for them because they can afford it. Do you think that's changed in the last maybe five or ten years that you, now that you have companies like Planet Fitness and LA Fitness that are now like maybe 10 or $12 a month that now have a much, much lower price point? Do you think this, this emergence of the low-cost operator has helped to kind of level the playing field and, and helping people that fitness might be for everybody?
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And then also you have... Uh, businesses similar to mine that are going into since we're talking about DC going into Southeast and going into certain parts of um, Northeast and opening up yoga studios and opening up um, small group training facilities and making it affordable because their business model is based upon volume. So they're making it affordable for, uh, for individuals to be able to get in and, and uh, get in and train. So um I'm I'm happy about that because I like to say my people if, if they're is there if there's no one else that needs fitness and needs wellness it's definitely definitely my people so I'm glad that um that there are individuals in those particular neighborhoods that are that are open up to that so
0: and, and same question to you Kia I'm thinking you're Fort Worth Texas and and there's a huge I know there's a huge cultural issue in, in Texas where families make it about getting together for food and like the big Sunday meal. And, and, you know, it's like a huge family gathering. And, and do you think it's, it's, that's a time when people might look at it and go, yeah, I know I should work out, but that's not really, that's not really for us. Do you think that this emergence of low cost operators has helped to kind of level that playing field to create, to make, make me see, make it more accessible
1: well, it's definitely created opportunity. I don't think it's quite, it has quite yet leveled the playing field. Not yet, because I have worked in high-value, low-price-type fitness settings in gyms. But when we look at our numbers, mm, we're still not as diverse as I feel we can be. Because when you look at YMCAs and community rec centers, they are more diverse, So what are they doing that's making it feel more like community? So as you mentioned, in the South, we do tend to be more family oriented, community collectivism. And I I see a parallel with YMCAs that way and uh, community recreation centers that draw people in there. I think also with um, the low price facilities, we got to challenge location. Where are they placed in these, pe- these places? Beautiful gyms, absolutely, with lots of investment and lots of opportunity. But sometimes if it's more than a one-mile radius away from certain communities, it's a problem with getting there. It's a problem with access. Safety with public transportation have been aspects and factors that I've looked into when, when service providing and, and providing opportunities for different types of cities and rural areas so we there's still opportunity to do better i'm glad that we have made that step but there's still work to do
0: and that's actually that's a great point and, and i'm gonna come back to that in a second here but maurice what's been your experience like as a business owner as, as somebody who's opened a training studio in <clears throat> the area you're in in upper northwest i looked it up on the map i mean you're in a very um you're in an area. Put it this way: where where a personal training gym should be, where like a, a small fitness center like yours should be. What's been your experience as a as a as a business owner?
2: Overall, it's been great. I mean, it's, I've been it's been very welcoming. Um, clients love the the way that the gym is is set up, and I think overall I have a pretty good reputation in the neighborhood. And I just know that because the neighborhood where the facility is located, there's a big List serve. I'm, I'm on that list serve, and it's very active. And I've read some reviews on there, and they've all been positive. But I mean, I'll tell you this: it's not that I haven't, I have not. Um, I've escaped periods of what I thought was you know racism or um, or just bigotry. I mean, I've been outside sweeping, and I'm a friendly guy. I've always, if you come within a certain distance of me, I'm going to say hi to you. And I've had people look at me and just keep it moving. Uh, there have been times where I've left the studio at night and walk into my walk into my car. If it's in the wintertime, I may be, you know, bungled up pretty good and people will see me and move off, you know, move off to the side. So I've definitely experienced um, things of that nature. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't experienced anything about, you know, why is this black guy in this neighborhood? He doesn't belong in this neighborhood. Nothing along those lines, but I've had my moments. Um, I've had my moments where I would, Really, guess that that was because of the color of my skin, but uh, I kind of grown to expect that, especially as a black male. Um, there are just certain things that I just I just anticipate. For example, actually today, earlier today, probably about an hour before I um, got on this on the podcast, I went over to one of my clients' house. She's an elderly lady. Went over there to to grab some equipment from her. I let my clients borrow equipment, so everybody's bringing equipment back today. But I told her just as she was elderly, I'll just stop by there and pick it up. And as I'm going, driving up, going to her house, um, there's a family outside with their kids and they have one of those little yellow signs that says, you know, car, slow down type of thing. And I'm, I'm not driving fast anyway, but I slow down. And as I'm passing them by, I'm thinking she put the dumbbells. So she put the equipment outside the door. There are people that are going to be watching me get out of my car, go to her door and grab this stuff. And I thought for a moment, said, hmm, let me make sure that when I get out the car, I don't look suspicious. Uh, let me make sure that I'm confident. And then I said, you know what, wait a minute. This might be a good time for me to get this because people are a little bit more open to a person like me. Um, so anyway, long story short, that, that came into my mind and that happens on a regular basis. On a regular basis. I have to teach this to two boys. I have to teach this to my boys that no matter what your education is, no matter what your religious background is, um, you have to be prepared for individuals to, to say certain things to you or to treat you a certain way, and you have to know how to respond without getting yourself killed. Um, so that's been my that's been my experience in this uh, in this neighborhood, and just in general as a black man.
0: Well, and that, uh, that's why I'm so glad to be able to have this conversation with you guys, because my heart breaks. You know, I, I, you know like I said, I, I grew up in a very, I never realized how lucky I was to grow up in such a diverse community like Tacoma Park, Silver Spring, you know, when I was doing it. And then I move away and now I'm in a much different environment in North County, San Diego is a little bit, let's just say it's a little bit less diverse, <laughs> very, very much so. Mm-hmm. But my heart breaks when I see these stories, you know, going back to what Eric Carter or is Eric Garner in New York mm-hmm. a number of years ago. Um, what happened in Ferguson, you know, and I know because fundamentally, I know as a white dude, if I get pulled over by the cops, th- there's a pretty good chance that, that nothing's going to happen. I'm gonna walk away. You know what I mean? And I, I just know that's not the same for everybody. And it freaking it pisses it makes me mad because we're 2020. We should be beyond that. You know what I mean? We should be beyond that. And that's maybe where I said in the beginning I'm a little naive because I know it does it doesn't affect me. And I think that that the last couple of weeks where i'm going through this do you think that the george floyd with what we've experienced the last six seven weeks with the protests with with the emergence of the mainstream of black lives matter do you think we're at a productive tipping point right now where there are going to be more people that are they're paying more attention to this and having more empathy maybe for situations that other people are in
1: is that a question for me pete
0: yeah it's a question yeah for either one i I think you'd be perfect to to start off on that yeah
1: sure sure ladies first Thank yeah, you that, That's I what I was appreciate going. That. Yeah, that's what he meant. That's what Pete meant. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Mm, Pete It is heartbreaking, and it's very unfortunate that at very young ages I'm talking preschool, that children are realizing that they're being treated differently than other children. You know they're being punished harsher than other children for breaking a pencil. You know, and it's tough for parents because you let your kids go out of your sight for a split second and you get this extreme trepidation and fear of what could happen to my kid. You know, and I I despise the whole victim blaming that goes on when something bad happens to someone else. It's like, well, what could he or she have done to not get his or herself into that situation? How do I not look? intimidating? How do I not look like whatever stereotype is? And it's, it's just unfair because there's no rules to the game. The end goal, the, the finish line is always moving and be, becoming even more complicated, more rules to the game that only applies to certain people, but not other people. We're not consistent with anything. But I am hopeful um, with what we're experiencing now as traumatic as depressing as it is and people are getting PTSD just from stepping outside of their doors is it's gut-wrenching, is hard. I personally am optimistic. I feel like we are finally moving the needle forward. More people are aware. There, there are more people recognizing their their privilege or how naive they have been or how fortunate they have been to have not experienced outright racism and prejudice Um, more people speaking up you know going hand to hand with people who don't look like them there are more um intimate conversations happening within people's homes correcting inappropriate behavior and language and saying you know that's not okay you don't say those types of things about other people so i am hopeful i don't know if i'll see it in my lifetime But I am hopeful that at least my niece and nephews will have an easier go at life than I have, than their parents have. And I'm in it, Pete. I'm going to continue to show up and speak up because when I weigh the odds that are against me, I will be more disappointed with closing my eyes at the end of the day, knowing that I didn't stand up for what was right.
0: Uh, that's powerful. Maurice, I mean, what do you, you know, kind of, what's your reaction? Do you think we're at a a positive tipping point where we can make a change?
2: I think people are a little bit more awake now. Um, And I think some of it has to do with, it's just so much that has happened. I mean, the timing of the deaths and going on along with COVID-19, people being at home more staring at their, already being a little emotional because of COVID-19. And then we see something like George Floyd. Um, I think, as I mentioned, people are a little bit more aware of it. I I still think that there are certain parts of our country that, you know, will say, well, racism has been here forever. It's, you know, it's, it's still going to exist. Or, you know, if we don't bring it up, then there's really nothing We keep having this issue because you guys keep bringing it up Mm -hmm. and there's some people, well, you're not a slave anymore, Maurice. So there has to have been some improvement. Like I've, nobody said that to me personally, but I've read things where people have said, you know, statements, uh, similar to that. So as Kia said, I I think we're making some progress. Um, it'll be interesting, interesting to see once we come out of COVID-19 things kind of get back to normal. Uh, where we will, you know, where we will be if people are, if we're still pushing for more diversity and, um, you know, social acceptance and understanding that while all lives do matter, understanding that Black lives do matter as, as well and not necessarily getting caught up in the, the movement and organization of uh, Black Lives Matter. I don't necessarily agree with all the things that they do, but when it comes just to overall Black Lives Matter, think everybody should have that understanding and if you're not then you're probably um you're not being honest or you're under a rock somewhere so um yeah that's my thoughts on that
0: and then and i mean and then to kind of to, to get ready to close here i mean and i am asking this like sincerely so what would you guys i mean and, and kia will let you go first but what would your advice be to someone to, to like me i mean i consider myself a friend of both of years and i want to do a better job of raising my kids i want to do a better job of of helping my kids be aware. And I want to be more aware. I want to, cause I'm sure I've said certain things that might, you know, I didn't perceive as being in uh, as being, um, what what am I looking for? I I, I might've said one or two things that I might not have realized how they were, how they were received by somebody else. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm trying to be more aware, if I'm trying to be more empathetic, I guess, to, to other people's situations, you know, what's your advice to, to people like me?
1: Well, I can't express how much I appreciate this type of question because it already shows vulnerability and your willingness to, to do better, you know, and, and the, the want, the desire to, to support other people. So that, that may be a step right there is recognizing that you got to ask more questions and you got to allow people the right and the opportunity to speak and to be honest and create those spaces where honesty and, Trans- verbal transactions are allowed. No matter what you say, I'm not going to judge you for it. No, ma- no matter how you say it, I'm not going to judge you for it. Because I, I take it personal when people try to tell other people how they're supposed to respond to racial trauma or emotional trauma. Like it's hard. You never know what a person what a person has walked through before they up to you. That's what I'm saying. Um, But to make the change, be a part of of the change makers, challenge the narrative around everything, speak up and speak out, especially if you know you're protected more than another person is, and make it your social responsibility and your civic duty to make sure that there's true equality and equitability, not only in our industry, but in our country. Use your right to vote, use your voice to say, we're gonna challenge your rhetoric around the words diversity, inclusion, anti-racism. Because when I look at, as Maurice mentioned, when I look at your executive team, your C-level employees, I don't see much diversity. So with all due respect, how can we do better in this regard? Because it's diversity is a good thing. And because we lack that, obviously we're missing the mark on something. We're missing opportunities. We're missing serving the greater good. So I would just say, ask questions and then shut up and listen. How about that, Pete?
0: I'm going to give you a thumbs up and and wait for uh, Maurice's response. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, I mean, once again, I think Kia covered everything. Um, I would just say, take some time. And if you have people of color that you you have a relationship with, um, have dinner with them. I mean, COVID-19, you may not be able to do that in person, but do a virtual Zoom and, and pick their brain to say, Hey, you know, I want to learn more about your experience as a black person in America. I I really want to know and have an understanding of that. Um, and then once you, once you talk to them and you have, you know, a decent, it's not going to happen just one person, but whenever you feel comfortable, then start teaching that to your, if you have kids, if you have family, start teaching that to your, to your kids. Um, I think outside of the fitness industry from an overall perspective, um, just educate yourself on black history in this country and have an understanding of we really built this country, like literally we built this country. Um, And if it wasn't for, for us, who knows where, you know, who knows where America would be. So just have a better understanding of, of um, where we, where we came from, the things that we've done, our experiences. And uh, I think that'll start to, know, bridge that gap of us having a little bit more respect for one another. I mean, I feel like I know I'm not a Caucasian person, obviously, but I feel like I know more about your history and know more about you than you may do about me simply because that's what I grew up being taught from elementary school all the way through, you know, all the way through grad school. Um, and I I can recall a professor or a teacher in high school who, it was my world history class in 10th grade who skipped over an entire section relating to Africa because he said he even felt he wasn't prepared prepared enough to to teach that which is just an absolute shame that he even got hired as our you know a teacher um, but things of that nature I mean educate yourself that's that's the best best advice that I can I can give so
0: well, and I appreciate that because I, you know, I thought I knew, I thought I had a pretty good knowledge of American history. And I have to say, there is a, uh, there's a fascinating thread on Twitter maybe a month ago. And I think it was a female, uh, she's a female professor of African-American studies. And she was going through just like from like the 1880s to the 1930s, just like things I didn't know had happened, like like the Tulsa race riot. It was, it was mm-hmm. along the lines of like, of what happened in Tulsa and what it was in 1920. It was just like, it was like, it was devastating to me to see that number one, that those things occurred and number two, they'd never been taught in any of the American history classes I took, either in high school or college, that there was never any mention of this kind of like, I'm just endemic. I mean, you know, that, that there's been an unequal footing playing field, but when you see that, Maurice, when you see it spelled out like that, you're like, honest to me, it made me sick because you realizes that no, there, there is a systemic. I mean, you know, to go back to what you said, I mean, it goes back to, to how many Africans were brought to this country in the first place. And I thought, again, I thought we were better than that. I thought by 2020, I thought we were better than that. And I thought we had a better handle on that. I, mean, Kia, what, I see you look Look, You want to you drop in there, Kia?
1: I'm so intrigued right now because it is a passionate subject. I personally, I've always been a very good student graduating top of my class And I struggled in high school, middle school, college with history because what was being taught to us, people say was whitewashed and brainwashed and I I just couldn't do well because I knew the truth and I I had conflicting views. And what do I put on this multiple choice test? Because I know none of these answers are correct. (laughs) And and the demonization of certain people like your Malcolm X. And as we go through generations and generations of telling these false stories and these fallacies to demonize an entire legacy of a person who truly was wanting to do well and wanting equal footing your words pete equal footing for all people when we look at these these movements even the ones today with the black lives matter crew if we don't get distracted by the changing of the narrative and all the 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 hoopla at the root of it people are just asking to be treated equally and why is that questionable is what I wanna know. Why is there a, well, but, okay. So yeah, Pete, like it is systematic. It is a systemic issue that, that is, is starting at young ages that's making our history lessons hard. But what's so beautiful where we are right now is with the internet, <laughs> we can get on there and find credible sources. We can go to our local libraries and pick up endless amounts of books and challenge ourselves pete you're a scientist exercise physiologist you know that science is always evolving and changing and typically from what i know about you you're on the forefront of that and you always challenge you ask well what if this what if we apply it to a different situation or a different controlled group i feel like that let's let's Transfer that to just human identity and life. Okay, I just read this book and it says this, but let me challenge that because how do I know that this author is being honest? How do I know that this author doesn't have biases? Whose voice am I reading in? Just challenge it and continue to research and find more more literature, more voices and speak to people who have lived through it or had parents who lived through it or even grandparents.
0: And that's where we'll get the truth. Uh, It's uh, getting ready to wrap it up here. I mean, one of the things that's been, you know, I think both, you know, I've done a lot of uh, international travel the last few years and, and that's been one of the things that's really helped open my eyes to the fact that not everybody's treated equally. Cause when I go in, uh, there's uh, a few years ago, I was in Indonesia for a few days. And I was staying like, I, I wasn't off the grid, but I was like, I wasn't staying in the, in the usual, like Western business hotel. I was staying in just a local hotel. And, and it was funny because I'd walk into the breakfast room in the morning to get breakfast and it was almost like one of the scenes in the bar where the record would scratch and everybody would turn and look at me because I was the only white person in that room I mean complete you,
1: immersion you, well
0: you, just had, you had everybody and so I was fully aware and I've had other experiences like that traveling around and you're fully aware that wow I am not the same as everybody else and, and you are being treated differently and then being you know being a, somebody in a foreign country that doesn't speak the language I have an so much, you know, respect for anybody that would emigrate to the United States that doesn't speak the language because I couldn't imagine picking up and going to China. I couldn't imagine picking up and going to Thailand and starting over and trying to start a business with not, not, not knowing that much. So I really think one of the things is just getting out and putting, putting, making yourself uncomfortable and being in a position where it's like, wait a minute, this must be what it, you know, I still can't even come close to understanding what it's like to walk in either of your shoes. And, but it's just at least being open to certain, those experiences, so any final thoughts, Kia, anything that you want to leave us with in terms of what we can do to kind of like just be, whether it's be more aware of just like, or be, not, I like the way you said it, just kind of like be, be kinder, treat other people well. And just everybody wants, you know, it's kind of go use it, since both you guys started with sports. You know, if we're both competing. All I want to do from the coach is know I have a fair shot to make the spot. You know, know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. So all in all, I would say, I would just reiterate what you just said. Treat people with dignity is really not that hard. I think it takes way more effort to not be just. It takes more effort to be unfair than it is to just let people live their honest lives. Treat people the way you want to be treated.
0: Oh, I like that. Maurice, any final thoughts?
2: I would echo echo Kios. Um Yeah, just treat people like you, uh, like you want to be treated. Um, put yourselves in a position to where you can you don't know all the answers. You could be wrong, so be humble. Um, and just from a uh, to fellow African Americans, and continue to continue to educate yourself. Um, don't stop. Don't stop learning. Because at the end of the day, if it comes down to you know, if we're able to look beyond the color of our skin and just look at qualifications and just the personality, then you want to be prepared. So education
0: is is key. And I think, and to wrap, you know, my point of view is is I'm going to challenge other people in the fitness space is look at your teams. You know, look at the people you have on your team. Look at, look at who you have around you. And do you have people around you that are representative of the people you're trying to serve? Because I know personally, if I'm putting a team together, I don't want people that agree with everything I have to say. In fact, I want people to challenge me a little bit because I know that's going to push me to get better. You know, I like being told when I'm wrong. You know, when a guest tells me that I'm wrong, it means that I have to look at it from a different point of view. And that, that to me, that's a learning opportunity. So for people out in the fitness space, look around you, look at your teams and, and ask yourself, can I do better at getting better people on my team? Because I have to tell you, if I go out to play football, to, to go back to that analogy, and I have a team of all DBs, now Maurice, you might be a great cornerback, but if, you can, if you're not a pulling guard, we're not going to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not going to yeah. do that well.
2: No doubt,
0: and, and so let's finish up with this. How can people get more information about about you or follow you? Do you have, I mean, Maurice. I know you you might have some, um, you you might, uh, but there might be some things happening uh, for you in the very near future. But do you have like a Instagram? Do you do you? How do can people get more information about what you're doing or, or find out more about you?
2: Sure. So no Instagram. Um, I'm not a. I'm on social media because I have to, not because I really <laughs> enjoy it. I think it's. I'll leave that for another day so yeah. people can find me at move well fit as my Twitter handle. Um, Facebook is, uh, move well fitness. I believe Facebook, you know, just type in, look for move well fitness. And then website is www.movewellfit.com. Uh, man,
0: cause we're gonna be seeing you, we're gonna be seeing you do some great things here, Maurice. So I'm glad to get you on the podcast now. Cause I know you're probably, you're probably not that far from blowing up. So I appreciate, appreciate your time today. And Kia, same thing for you. Man. I know you're doing stuff on homeroom fit. How can yeah. people get, find out more information about what you're up to Kia and what you're doing?
1: Sure. So the best way to connect with me is on Instagram at Kia dot I'm also on Facebook. You can find me at Kia Williams dot I also have a podcast that I really hope, and I'm going to put this out there because if it's recorded, then I'm pressuring you. I would like to have Pete McCall on my podcast that is called Act Fit and Fierce on the Mic. Um, You can follow there. You can reach out to me there as well. But I'm gonna be hopefully with Pete very soon, traveling to different conferences when it's safe to do so. So I'd invite all of you listening to join us at those.
0: Well, absolutely. I will take you up on that, Kia. So, hey guys, thank you so much for your time. And I know you got to get on to other things in your day. So I appreciate it. Well, I'm not really sure how to wrap that up. I mean, it was, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I wanted to just, again, I wanted to have this conversation because there are part, a lot of people out there, maybe you're like me, right? In that you have a relatively open mind. You know, you like to think that you're relatively open mind, that you're relatively non-biased. And, and I am very well aware that I might have expressed implicit bias. And I I really appreciated Kia's insight on that because you might not mean to, you might really might not mean to, you just might not, you know? And that's that's the analogy I use. You know, DBs, if you've ever been on a football team, the the your, your position groups hang out together. The DBs hang with DBs. Running backs hang with running backs. You know, receivers hang with receivers. And I think we do that in, in society as we self-select to maybe be around people that are like us, not for any intent that we're trying to exclude other people, but we just feel more comfortable around people that are like us. And that really is what I wanted to do with this conversation is I wanted to have this conversation to say, hey, what can I do better? How can I, what do I need to do differently? You know, can I, can I, you know, just be kinder? Can I be, can I be more open-minded? Can I think differently about things. And this was a very, and I thought it was a good good collection. I thought Maurice being a business owner and I thought Kia with her really diverse experience both brought a lot of insight to the table. This really was a good learning opportunity for me. Hopefully it was the same for you. And this is one of the very few occasions when I, I'm going to post this. I'm posting this the day that I recorded. I recorded, we recorded the conversation on July 2nd, 2020. I'm going to try to get it up tonight uh, so you can listen to it over the July 4th weekend and I really have some really cool content I've talked to a couple doctors recently a couple of medical doctors I have a friend of mine who wrote a book on fitness for the over 50 and I got some really cool interviews coming up but this was something this was an important conversation that I wanted to have to just to listen and to 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 see what I can do better and what I can do differently so to Maurice to Kia thank you so much for your time Thank you so much for being open to this. And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and sharing your experiences and, and sharing your insights. Because the cool thing about fitness is that fitness is for everybody. And I mean that by everybody. And that really is, you know, fitness is for everybody because anybody can move. If you can move, even even for people that might have those issues, anybody can benefit from exercise. And that's one of my goals that I want to do is to create an environment create a platform here on the podcast where everybody can benefit by listening to the podcast. So to go back to the political thing, if you, if you, you know, if you believe your politics are orange, my politics are purple, God bless. You know, hopefully we can still find common ground and still find ways to learn from one another. I certainly can learn from you and I'm hopefully I have something to share with you and that you can learn from me. And that's what this episode of all about fitness was about was to listen a little bit and to learn and to maybe open our minds a little bit. That said, if you want to follow up, you can shoot me an email, Pete at Pete com That's Pete at Pete com If you send, if you go to com and sign up for my mailing list, I'll send you a copy of my uh chat, not a copy, I'll send you a chapter from my book, Smarter Workouts: The Science of Exercise Made Simple. Again, if you want uh, free content, a chapter from Smarter Workouts, my book. Go to PeteMcCallFitness.com, sign up, I'll send that to you. You can uh, check out the content I put up on Instagram, McCall underscore Fitness. That's McCall underscore Fitness on Instagram. And uh, you can check out the YouTube channel. We have the All About Fitness Podcast YouTube channel, and I'm putting a lot of stuff up on there. So thank you for your time. And really, I mean, it. it is truly humbling to have you spend your time with me. And as always, thanks for stopping by. And I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.